Episode 131, John Qualls. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work. And on this show, we equip CEOs and people first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. Hey, Gut Plus Science listeners, it's Nikki. So our team leveraged a tool called the Purpose Gap Matrix to do 2022 planning. And to say we love the experience and outcome is an understatement. As an innovator and someone highly focused on results, this tool led us to find the exact gaps on our team as individuals and as a whole and kick off planning with clarity of complete work fulfillment. And then we were able to clearly pinpoint gaps to take meaningful action towards our ideal work experience. So each of us worked on this in advance and then came together to share. It was so simple of a tool and process, yet so deep and rich. Our team got vulnerable and the vibe and foundation for the day-long session was set up for a great day. And we are now already seeing powerful changes that have added even more fire to the work that we do. So I've asked the inventor of this tool and process that I'm a huge fan of, Purpose Gap Matrix, to join me today and to share his mindset around purpose at work and the key components that he has found to move the meaningful work experience needle the most and share more about this simple yet profound tool and a little bit of history of where it came from. I'm really excited to introduce you to John Qualls, CEO and president of Purpose HQ. So John, welcome to Gut Plus Science. Let's start by having you talk about today's complex workplace engagement challenges and really the mindset we must have as leaders about purpose. Oh, thanks. Well, you know, I like to, before I, when I kind of tee this up a little bit, I kind of think of the, the three R's we talk about right now, the great uh, resignation. I call it the great resignation, reshuffle, and retirement. And it's kind of like, how do we get here, right? So I call it the three R's that we've been dealing with. I always like to say, well, how do we get here? And we'd say that COVID is, has been an accelerant, but maybe not the cause. I've always felt that uh, the boomers of this, was this mass of humanity moving through our our society over the last 50 years. And in front of that was a bunch of things we did to get ready for it. And behind is a bunch of uh, destruction after it as it's kind of gone through. And that's really what's what we see. I see the silver tsunami now going into retirement. And that has created this uh, tremendous pressure on, I like to call the human capital supply chain of people retiring, which means that everybody needs to move up, you know, the great reshuffle. But also it feels like there's, I think there's 10,000 people retiring a day but there isn't 10,000 people a day hitting the market. And that's really what's creating this pressure, what we believe is really creating that pressure. And so it's how are we going to capture that? And uh, you know, I'd like to say it's super sexy, but at the end of the day, really creating purpose-driven organizations or aligning this, this purpose between the individual and the organization has always been important, but it's never been more important than kind of is today. Such a priority. And I would love, you know, you have many facets in the way that you work alongside organizations and purpose of people and the the workplace and all that. Help us with your definition. How do you define purpose and really all these various facets? Some may be familiar with the word ikigai, you know, like find out what your problem you're good at solving, the world once solved and willing to reward you for that. Uh, So that's kind of, I believe in that approach. When I really think of purpose, what it really kind of comes down to is responsibility. There's a, I'm sure you've, everybody's kind of seen this study about 
people who live the longest, most rewarding lives, you know, they kind of study and say, well, what was it about these people? And they think, you know, was it the, the their lifestyle, how they, uh, whether they ate and they didn't smoke or drink or, and, but, but nothing pales in consideration to their engagement with others and being kind of engaged and responsible uh, for people throughout their, their lifetime is the biggest impact that it makes on their longevity and, and happiness, right? I really feel like that's part of purpose is really aligning like what your responsibility is and where you want to be responsible for the people around you, how you surround yourself, things you do, things of that nature. So really that's to me what purpose is. And from, from our standpoint, it's really how do you create a purpose-driven organization then, you know, obviously always the foundation is that culture, that mission, vision, purpose of the organization, the development of leadership, the talent that you bring in, develop the formation of teams and kind of keeping everybody engaged is to us is the kind of the magic where all the magic happens when you can make that happen. I think it's so important, and I know that you agree for us in our work to find meaning. And I think that responsibility, when we have it, the sense of responsibility brings that meaning that makes us feel like we're really making an impact because we get to own this. And so whether or not your title says leader, you have a responsibility to own these certain things, which brings meaning through the work that you do. And so I know meaning comes through in a lot of different areas of the work you all do at Purpose HQ. And I can't wait to get into that. I want to talk about, you know, on these episodes, I like to think as a listener, I want to evaluate where I'm at right now, how I think, how should I shift how I think, and then how can I apply new ideas? And so you're going into workplaces all the time where a consultant or a leader will bring you in and say, help us. And the reality of what you see typically with what workplaces and leaders are doing with purpose and their strategies or initiatives aren't necessarily always going in the effective route, right? So talk about like what it is that you typically see and how I get how often you're seeing that these strategies are going in this effective pace or what is it that you see when you're kind of running baselines going into these organizations? As I dive into that, you just said something. It was a very subtle thing. I think it was really important. And it was, you know, everybody being a leader. You know, what organization really wants everybody to be a leader, a leader of their in themselves and a leader of, of the people that they serve, uh, et cetera. So when I think from an effective standpoint, a lot of times I see people looking for a move or a tactic, and um, it really comes down to a process, a strategy, kind of a discipline. And, you know, I, I had a great friend once, he said, you know, leadership is exhausting, at least good leadership is. And he, he was right. So, you know, I think the things that are most effective, at least what I observed and what, what we promote, is just really this genuine authenticity. Um, a lot of people talk about the young people coming into the marketplace today and and I think a lot of times what they're really looking for is authenticity, right? Being genuine and authentic. They're not looking for a move. They don't want to be manipulated. They want to be part of something, something that's that's bigger than them. You know, a lot of times I say they, they want to change the world. I, sometimes I like to tell them, let's start with the first inch, start with you and then expand it from there. But uh, I think that the processes, the ones that are most effective are ones that are, are truly are authentic. Uh, it's so much easier to do things when you're authentic versus I mean, there's people who say fake it till you, till you make it, but I, I think we're at a point where we can feel that. Um, you can feel when someone has a genuine interest about where you are and where they're trying to take you within the organization or not. So all those moves and things, all those, you know, I feel like all those fads in the past, that was some uh, particular tactic. Th those things never seem to stick. 
right? And at the end of the day, we really want something that's going to, to stick and make a, a meaningful impact. And I, I have found that those are the things that genuine and authenticity is what sticks for the short term and the long term. You might, you know, might make a little more effort in the front end, but it pays off better than anything I've ever observed. So good. I just jotted down, you know, authenticity is what brings purpose alive, or it's like the sustainability of it. And I love that we just got there. And before we move forward, because I want to dive into this tool that you all have created that I've seen the impact of, I'm so excited to share it. But I want to talk about the reality of workplaces and how they're operating right now with their purpose strategies that, I mean, there's really a big gap. There's, you know, I guess the most uh, profound example that people say is we have our purpose and our mission and things on the walls, but uh, I couldn't tell you them if I was, you know, gun to my head, I don't remember, right? I'd have to go look at the wall or look at our website. The reality is many workplaces think that they're doing purpose well because it is on the wall or it is on the website or they revisited revisited that during their strategy planning for the year. Talk to that just a little bit before we go into talking about your tool. Oh, I, I love that. If you have to visit your values in the lobby, it ain't it ain't being done right. And I like to really align with this purpose and culture. And so a lot of times it's kind of keep the end in mind. What is a what does a great culture look like? And this might be a a long, a long piece here, but uh, but here's what I think it looks like. When there is a problem or opportunity that hits the organization and the people closest to it lean into the values of the organization and how they behave and make decisions to capture or resolve it when the leader is not in the room. The most important part I said there was when the leader is not in the room, because that is when you really have led to there's leaders throughout the entire organization. But isn't that really what you're looking for is like the behaviors and decisions and communications of the people closest to the greatest opportunities and challenges in the organization? Know how to behave, know the formula about, you know, how many times you said, that's not how we do business here. Isn't that what you want to happen when you're not in the room? And I think as a leader, particularly as servant leaders, I don't want to be the center of the universe. I'm trying to enable others. I did Taekwondo for 15 years. And one of the, the things, you know, is you become a black belt and there's a master, but a master measures themselves by how many black belts they put into the world. Uh, sometimes they say, you know, how do you measure someone? It's like, how many millionaires did you make? I like to think of it as how many leaders did you enable? So it's not all about you, but it's how do you enable these other people to be leaders? Before we dive into the tool that we really want to go deep on today, just want to share a couple of things that I'm hearing from our conversation thus far the power of helping individuals find responsibility in their work because that brings out the meaning and brings out purpose. I think that's just so powerful. And then you're saying, you know, the overarching light to your purpose strategy is the authenticity you bring as a leader, as a leadership team or organization. I love that. So just great takeaways. Now, I want to transition as a huge fan club member of this tool that you created, and I'll let you tell a little bit about the backstory. I know I got introduced to it, just got introduced to the tool just this past year called the Purpose Gap Matrix. I've played with it a little bit on my own after you taught it to me and we did the session, and then I brought it to our team to share with them as we work alongside your organization, just to do it a little example during our strategy planning for the year. And in... I don't even think it took five minutes for us to get into a very vulnerable conversation. Someone had asked me, what was the most powerful thing that came of that? If you had to say the number one, I was like, 
our entire team was just straight up vulnerable and raw about where we are. And then we talked and had a very fruitful conversation about the gaps. And we probably took 90 minutes to then talk through the strategy on how do we fill the gaps. It was so powerful. So I'm so excited to share this. You created this tool to help bridge the gap and you saw powerful results when you created it originally. And now it's just kind of taken on a life of its own to transform engagement. I want you to tell us a little bit about the backstory and the tool. There's a great program uh, called Strategic Coach. It's for entrepreneurs. And I got involved maybe 20 years ago. And there's lots of little tools that they would have in there. And there was one in there about how to make decisions in a scoring system that, that I kind of I really used. But I actually changed it and kind of made it a lot about measuring my own journey and, and how I was going to make better decisions and such. And then I, I uh, you know, kind of used that process to try to create this purpose gap matrix and I, it really, so it was a tool, it was a way I was using to, to measure my, uh, my journey. What I, I was in the Marine Corps, so I call my tours of duty as I go through my career. So as I were, we were looking here uh, at Purpose HQ, it's like, how can we get to a tool that's, it's got to be really simple. I mean, it's just people, it can't be too overcomplicated, but it has to have like real depth to it. One of my favorite quotes is from uh, Mark Twain. He said, sorry for the long letter. I didn't have time to write a short one. So doing something really simple but profound is really hard. So we really kind of thought through it. And then we thought through, you know, at the end of the day, there's these kind of five foundations of individual awareness. And there's five foundations of organizational awareness. It's like if when we get those things together and married, that's like real magic happens there. So we like to call it the five foundations of, of awareness, but it's it's kind of like, why do I behave the way I do? And how can that be amplified in the role that I have? And what is holding me back, right? It's kind of what's holding back my growth. How do I work with others? And then when do I say no, really, which is where those values. So those are the kind of the, the framework as we were kind of thinking through the purpose gap matrix. So that's how that's kind of the backstory of how we, we got to it and then kind of put this thing together and... And I was using it, and then when people started asking us to bring it in and present it to their teams, and uh, and it was interesting. Uh, there's two types of people. I'm really concerned that you're going to come in and do this and exp- and show people why they sh- why they should leave our organization. That c- that always comes up, but every time we've done it, it's never happened. So I mean, I can see the fear, but the other side of it is, uh, I like to say, uh, sunshine is the greatest antiseptic, and if you can't get some vulnerability and sunshine, some light on the real fundamental issues, then you're not going to solve them, right? You're just going to chase symptoms, right? We know how expensive and complicated symptoms are. But, uh, you know, if you can get to the root of the problem, then you can solve it for the short term and the long term. So that's how we got there. That's how we kind of got the, the intent of the purpose gap matrix was simple, profound, and the ability to then take it and actually do something that's relevant for the individual. As I've known you along our professional journey, um, I know that you're really passionate about great workplaces, culture, purpose, employee engagement, and really the purpose gap matrix was a passion play for you. You were kind of toying around with these, you know, foundational components and really the framework it's built in. But for a while, it was, hey, I'm just going to kind of try this on some friends and clients and see how it goes. And it, like, these stories were incredible. Is there any story that stands out of just? the impact that this tool made that really helped you just shine a light on like this thing needs to have a life of its own and become a tool in our work. Yeah. Well, I got a lot of stories. I'm trying to figure out 
which ones <laughs> not, not overwhelm me with so many. Uh, I like when we, we kind of do a session with a group and someone, this came out one time, you know, I was really happy here, but I didn't know how to articulate it. I mean, that really made us feel pretty good, right? It was particularly because they said that verbally. So everyone else in the room was kind of like, yeah, I guess I'm happy to here too as well. Or, you know, there's something here that's rubbing me wrong. I wasn't sure what corner of the room it was in, but now I know. And so now I know how to, to then articulate it and talk to my manager or whoever about how I can help address it. But you put it in context of a, a much bigger thing. So it wasn't the end of the world. It was just a thing that I need to be addressed. So th- those are things that we see. Story-wise, um, you know, I see people looking to uh, maybe they're making a move somewhere and they might use this approach to consider different places they want to go. I've seen a lot of times where it's been used uh, when I say tour of duties are up and people are, this is where I really think a lot of people are today. They're revisiting after kind of COVID. I like. I hope I can say post-COVID, but they're revisiting what's the next tour of duty for them. And they're, they're asking themselves, do I want to sign up with the organization that I'm in now for another one year, two year, three years? And if so, what does that look like? And so the stories we get back where they're, they're so much better to articulate and lean in and commit to what their role is and their, their, and their organization that they're part of because they just have such a, a clarity of what it is. When I see you know, COVID, everybody wants certainty and there really isn't any certainty in the world. I guess maybe t- death and taxes are as always that. But what people really want is clarity. And I, I think a lot of times when we do this, people just learn this clarity of what it is that they, they like or don't like, and in a kind of plan to get through it has been really good. I had another great story with an individual who uh, was actually having a, a hard time uh, getting a role as an executive. And I, I asked him this question. I said, well, well, what is it that you do? And he said, well, I'm a CFO. I'm like, what, what, the, what is that? If you were explaining it to a fifth grader, would they know what that means? And, um, and he had been like, you know, to the fourth time at five different companies and he said, well, what I really do is I just have a unique ability to look at numbers and I can see, you know, risk and opportunities for the organization and the ability for them to see it and uh, to do something with it. And I said, why don't you just do that? Why don't you just say that's what you do? And I mean, literally like a week later, he's like, he got his dream job. So, you know, that was, that was good. But, you know, I, I want to talk about always looking for another job. But the other side is people with stories about why they stay or why they recommit. The other thing we always take this, there's the individual side of it, but the organization, the ability of the organization to say, this is what we need you to be now, like post COVID or what does our environment look like today? And kind of getting that buy-in again to signing up and sticking around and, and leaning in. So lots of great, great stuff there. I had an organization, a, a, a three-letter consultancy starts with I, I don't know. But they had two executives that were thinking about leaving, and uh, they actually went through the Purpose Gap Matrix and and ended up uh, sw- swapping roles and staying with the organization. It was a, it was the craziest thing I've ever seen, but but it was just uh, it was so authentic. And they were they had uh, they actually it was uh, one person was the boss and the other person reported them, and they ended up switching. And it, it, <laughs> I mean, it's it's like you never could have have uh, scripted that out. But they really used the purpose gap matrix to kind of add it up. And they're like, you know, I really were, I was most, I was more happy when I was in your role. And the other one was like, I'm more ambitious to be in your role. And it kind of went back. The organization said, we'd like to switch. And I, I say, who won? 
the organization one, they got to keep two people who had real clarity about what they wanted to do. And they, they, they leaned in and committed and, and uh, kind of self-led themselves to the solution to stay. All right. So I loved all of those stories. And I will just share that yesterday I was talking with a leader. We were just checking in to do just a follow-up. And I said, how are you? And just paused. And he said, okay, well, off the radar. So not giving out any names. Um, he said, off the radar, I just am missing something. I, I don't wake up with that fire anymore. I really do like the company that I work for. I think we're doing great things. We're growing by leaps and bounds. I just am missing something, you know? And so as you were talking right now and sharing these stories, I'm like, I need to follow up with him. And this is a wonderful opportunity to find a way to help because gosh, we spend the majority of our lives working and nothing worse than knowing the beauty of how great it can be, and but missing something. And so just a perfect tee up to why I love this purpose gap matrix tool so much. And John, I want to now dive into the tool and really the key components, if you can start to break those down for us and help us understand it. So it's interesting that you say that something missing. Uh, a lot of times when we kick these things off, I say, if I gave you $90,000, how much of that would you like to waste? And I usually don't get anybody who's like, I want to waste a lot of it. But it's interesting in our career, we're given about 90,000 hours. And so of those 90,000 hours, how much of those do you want to invest? And then what do you want to get out of it? So that's kind of how we usually kick off a, a purpose gap matrix session is kind of talking about framing it up about not wasting and really investing and in what do you want to get out of the, the big journey. So we talked about, you know, keep it simple uh, but profound. So it's kind of five five areas that we go into, right? Five and we these are really five kind of questions. But the first one is really what is it you do? And and what you do is not, you know, it's not the task per se. Right. But it's like, what are the abilities that you have that are being played out in your role? And how often sometimes we find out we're doing something that we don't enjoy doing or it's a problem that we're not good at solving or or we're wearing more hats. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've particularly when I'm re- working with executives or managers who are wearing four or five hats. But there's one of those hats that they absolutely hate and their their leadership is so unaware of that that they really, they lose them because of just one hat that they've asked them to own that they really shouldn't be carrying around type of thing. So, so it's really about asking an individual is the role you have, is it, is it what you do? And then the discovery of understanding, like, what is it that you do? Right. So that's the first, first piece. I'm trying to, I mean, this is a 30, 45 minute process or experience. Uh, I like to say no one wants to take another damn survey, but they will, we like experiences. Right. I think as humans, we like experiences. I, I always say, uh, do you remember what you got for Christmas on your 15th birthday? No one usually knows what that is. Do you remember your first kiss? Most people usually got that one down, right? So they remember that one. So so this is really about delivering experience. And the first question is really about what is it that you do and unpacking what that is and are you doing what you do? So that's the first component. The second component is really about the style of that person. Well, how do you do what you do? Right? What's your, what's your style? How do you how do you work? And are we asking you to work the way that you work? Right? So that's that style question. A lot of times this comes up where culture starts to show up. You know, if I it's kind of the question, but what's underneath it? You know, how decisions are made, how you're communicated to, what you do, you know, how you ask to work, uh, you know, 90 hours a week or uh, a lot of times I get a, a story of, you know, well why does this matter? And it's like, you know, when I was younger, uh, 
I used to travel eight, nine months out of the year. It was great. But if you had an individual who just had twins, right, at home, they probably are not looking for a, a, how do you do what you do by traveling six to nine months a year away from those those kids, right? So that's not a good good alignment. So what you do, how you do it, that's kind of the second area. The third area is really why do you do it? And, you know, we, I, I love Simon Sintek, start with why and the why of the organization. And I like to call this the tingly area, right? It's kind of like you're doing something that literally gives you that little tingle, like the impact of your organization, whether or not it's the you want to be the 800-pound gorilla in your space or the first to market or you're a nonprofit or whatever it is that that organization makes the world better in some way and you're part of it. Now, the challenge with that is that uh, if you send that check in the mortgage company, they won't cash it. So there is a, a compensation and a perks and benefits part of that question as well. So, so what you do, how you do it, why do you do it? Uh, the next one really is what, what do you need to master your craft? You know, a lot of times when you think of people through their career, you know, you start out, you got a job and then you, then you find yourself and you have a career. And then later on you find that you kind of have a vocation. So that's kind of the, the journey through it. But in each one of those, we need to develop our craft, right? New capabilities, new skills, new new things. And so uh, are you mastering your craft? And then the, then the last part of this uh, kind of journey here we take you through is closing your purpose gap is what is the journey? You know, like I said, I do things in three-year tours of duty is how I look at it. Where are you at and the role that you have? Is it the is it the job that is the title that serves your you incorporated journey that you need? Um, is it uh, do you have the authority, the autonomy? Are you working in an ecosystem or on a stage that plays into your career journey that you want? So that's kind of the five areas of the purpose gap matrix. But I intentionally, as I lay that out, I really laid it out from an individual standpoint. But if I can just take a moment and turn it around from an organization. And remember, I, I was talking earlier about, you know, this foundations of awareness between the individual and the organization. And when those two things happen, that's the real marriage. And I think about all the challenges we have around engagement and retention and all those pieces. It really kind of comes down to as an organization, I have a role that I'd like you to have. I have a way I'd like you to work. I have an incentive program and a development of you in the development of this role, right? That's from an organization standpoint. And as an individual, I promise you, I'm going to bring this all together. And as an individual, I want to have a role that a problem I'm good at solving and I'm appreciated for what it is. I get to work the way that I work and work with people that work the way I do for the same reasons, the why. And we're all growing together on a particular tour of duty that we might be having together, right? So, a lot of times right now, people are fighting to get good people. I think the better you're able to articulate the organization and saying, this is what we'd like you to do here, the way we'd like you to do it, how we reward you, how we'll develop you and what the role journey looks like here, the more you can be clear on that, the better you're going to bring the right people to the organization. So that's kind of how all of it comes together. And it really just starts with five simple questions and measuring those and then shutting up and listening.
I'm a huge fan, as I said, and I wanted to clarify from a high level tactical standpoint of this tool. And I know if there's people out there that would like to dive into it, I know we're going to have, you know, contact information for you and your team and they can get into the nitty gritty. But just from a high level, is it fair to say that as leaders, we have to help our people get really clear on their ideal so that the tool can produce the best outcome to be able to see the gap? Like, talk about, you know, the questions that you walk through, they're really powerful and we have to know the ideal outcome. We'd have to know for ourselves, you know, the style of how we work and what is ideal. Can you talk about that just a little bit? It's interesting. I don't think you need to know the ideal, but you need to begin the dialogue of understanding what it is. And you probably need to work with the person that's leading you for you to come to an agreement about what that is and what it isn't. Right. So that's part of the to me, the best leaders I've ever had were people who did put me in a place where I could succeed and allowed me to work the way that I worked the best and still serve the organization, incentivize me. It's those same same things. But I, I've always felt like this is where the, the real leadership happens is not only guiding, but exploring together what that is. And by the way, sometimes it, this, the numbers don't add up. And so, you know, we've all gone through transitions I always like to say, do you want to transition with caught flat-footed or do you want an exit with grace? And as a, as a leader, I want to exit with grace. I want to be able to have a conversation and, and know that I've enabled people to go to a great place and they've done a great time with their tour of duty with us, but we have a plan and they work closely with us to make that transition because maybe as an organization, we just, we really don't, we, 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 it's not a great fit for where they are or where they want to go. And I'd rather have an exit with grace versus that I'm giving my two weeks notice or uh, Nikki, could you step into my office for a moment, right? Nobody enjoys those conversations, but these conversations are just, you know, I, I think some of the best opportunities or the, or the best things I've ever been involved with were people that we had great transitions, but they understood what I represented, the organization that I was part of represented, and they would refer people over to, to work with us or to you know, as clients or as, as employees. Again, I, I just think it's the right, it's the right uh, way to do it today. And it's the right long-term approach is to be led that way. So you may not have that clarity, but the ability to have that discussion and have a framework to unpack it. I love that you clarified that as I, what I was trying to emphasize is, you know, a leader helping a team member to be able to get that clarity. Like this, this creates the dialogue and the coaching ability to be able to lead with those really great questions to co-create at the end together. Like, what is this ideal? So I love that you said that I may have asked it the wrong way, but I found that very powerful in the tool that, you know, you can work with someone that you work very closely with leader team member in order to create that and get that very visually understood to know where it is that you're going to be able to work on finding that gap. It's just, it's just such a powerful tool. Huge fan. Like I said, Okay. So I want to ask, you know, the core best practices as we're wrapping up here that you encourage leaders that you work alongside that use purpose gap matrix to adopt in order to make the tool most impactful. What are some of those key best practices? Well, we already talked about this earlier, but this piece of being authentic, right? And genuine. I mean, that comes through. I heard a great question the other day, but I think a lot of things what we're doing is enabling leaders to ask more relevant, authentic questions, 
right? That really gets everybody going to where they need to go organizationally and the individual. I heard one the other day, I, I wanted to somehow put it in our repertoire, but it's like, what have you been doing for the last two to four months that I haven't recognized? What an interesting question from a leader to ask someone. Um, because so often all we do is come in and tell them what they're doing wrong, but we never really appreciate some of the great things they're doing. So I, I think that's part of that authenticity. I've always believed that it really is a partnership. You know, I've been married 30 years. It's a great partnership. You've probably heard me say this before, anyone who's heard me talk about this marriage and partnership. Do you want a happy marriage or do you want to be a great spouse? And uh, as you know, my answer is always be a great spouse because there's times where you want to always be happy in your marriage. And after 30 years, I know that's true. And when I think about leadership in business, it really is a partnership. I see so often young people, um, I want to come in and be happy at work. Who doesn't want to be happy at work? Uh, I always say, do you want to be happy at work or do you want to have like a really challenging, rewarding career? And I had to kind of think about that for a second. So I think as leaders, um, sometimes we get wrapped around the axle a little bit about making people happy instead of giving them a challenging, rewarding career. And I think that's the best practice that you can do is help them get to that place. The happiness thing, it'll happen, but that's more important. Wow. What a great uh, piece of advice to end on. So we're going to transition into our lightning round where we'll get to learn a little bit more about the personal side of John Qualls and um, maybe some great resources that our that our listeners can take and do something with. We're going to hear from a network message and we'll be right back. Gut Plus Science has just joined the People Forward Network. Gut Plus Science has been on a journey for three and a half years and we got inspired to create a global podcast network that captures the most incredible efforts of people-first leaders and humans working on a meaningful mission. We believe that the workplace is the largest mission field for change, and the People Forward Network is the largest community of humans on a shared journey to live life full of meaning. We'd love for you to join the People Forward Network. There are all kinds of new shows and existing shows coming together under one umbrella to bring you the best content as a community on a mission. Can't wait for you to join us. See the link to peopleforwardnetwork.com in the show notes. All right, back on Gut Plus Science with John Qualls. Such a great conversation around purpose and individuals and workplaces, all the good stuff. And now in this lightning round, we get to just focus on John and hear a couple of uh, his favorite things. So number one, it's always hard to pinpoint your favorite book of all time. So if you can't do that, maybe a favorite recent read that you'd like to share with our leader listener audience. So I have this thing where I read three books at once. Uh, I call it Popcorn, Personal Development, and Professional Development. But off the top of my head, I'd say Give and Take by Adam Grant is one. I It's really about serving others and kind of how to be a giver without getting taken. <laughs> so I, it's probably one of my favorite professional reads. Uh, there's a book called Giant Under the Snow that no one has ever read by John Gordon about a young boy who just uncovers a, a giant under the snow. It was a big impact for me on my life. So anyway, those are probably the two books that pop in my head, uh, Give and Take by Adam Grant. And the other one's really more of a personal one that I'm sure you probably can't even find. And how about a favorite hobby when you're not working? So uh, homesteading. I kind of grew up in the inner city, but I love... Uh, homesteading, the kind of, uh, I have bees, I have ducks, uh, projects on our little farm here. We call it Three Acres Farm. And uh, chickens. I got, uh, you know, Cluck Norris, my head rooster, and my ladies that I see every morning. And, you know, whatever's going on in the world, lots of bad things going on out there at times. 
But I can tell you every morning I got a bunch of girls who just chase me and think I'm the greatest thing in the world. And I give them some feed and talk to Cluck Norris and we spar a little bit. So there you go. That's my that's my thing I do when I'm not not working. And how about your favorite vacation spot? I'd say our, our favorite uh, vacation was probably Aruba. Uh, something about the desert uh, dry com- uh, climate I really enjoy. But at the end of the day, anywhere in which I'm with my wife or my family is my favorite vacation spot. And John, how can listeners connect with you after the show today? Well, there's always the, the, the LinkedIn, but uh, John at PurposeHQ.com. So J-O-H-N at PurposeHQ.com. Always uh, reach out to me there. And uh, obviously, PurposeHQ.com, our organization. So. I hope this episode inspired some new ideas to help you inspire and equip your people to find deeper levels of purpose in their work. And I hope you grab some nuggets to apply for your work experience and building even greater fulfillment in the work you do as a leader. Here's my truth you can act on from today. Number one, help your people find and experience responsibility in their role. Number two, reminder, authenticity is the core to living out our purpose. And number three, reflect on the tools you use to help you lead. Are they simple to use and do they create significant impact? For example, a tool that creates deep dialogue with team members on a recurring basis, we've got to be leveraging tools on a consistent basis that propel our impact as leaders. Mm, So good. Hit up John Qualls to try out the Purpose Gap Matrix. His contact info is in the show notes. See you next time. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.